Okay. So we are continuing this letter. And what we've been discussing is the creation of those items that have the sense of substance. And we said yesterday that God in his infinity is able to create finite creations because the infinity of God is vested in the vessels of the ten divine attributes of the world of being. And the finite nature of these vessels allows the infinity of God to now create, which is a quality of God, but in a finite manner because of these vessels. Today we're going to go on to explain that this is true, and yet there's another very important element that the subjective substantiality, somethingness of created beings, their self-perception as entities distinct and separate from God, comes primarily from the tenth and final divine attribute in the world of being, the attribute of sovereignty. So the concept of sovereignty means a person, people, who are separate from the king, and nullify themselves to him. As our sages say, there's no king without a nation. And the term for nation, um, is etymologically related to the term that means embers, whose fire is very dimmed, dimmed embers. That implies a population very far removed from the king's quality. It's just dimmed, dimmed embers, dimmed light. Imagine the flickering red within those coals. But because we have this very far relationship between this am, the people, and the king, now there can be sovereignty. You can't be sovereign over your children. You're too close. So therefore, the divine attribute of sovereignty creates beings that sense themselves, of course erroneously, to be separate from God. Because only then can sovereignty reign. So that these distinct and separate created beings should, by virtue of their own spiritual service, nullify themselves to God's will, except him as their king. Now this quality of this tenth attribute of sovereignty of the highest world of being then descends to become the highest attribute in the next lower world. In other words, the worlds are interlocking. The, the lowest dimension of the higher world evolves to become the highest dimension of the next world. So sovereignty, the lowest of the attributes of the highest world, the world of being, descends to become the inner dimension of the crown of the next world, the world of creation. And this crown has within it we have the ten divine attributes, the highest of which is seminal wisdom. And then higher than seminal wisdom, we have the crown that hovers over the brain. And within the crown, there are two dimensions. The more external dimension, which is an expression of God's will. And the more inner dimension, the innermost core of will, which is pleasure. So sovereignty of the higher world of being descends to become this pleasure, the inner will within the crown in the world of creation. Because this 
aspect of sovereignty is projecting the sense of pleasure and create creatures that perceive themselves to be separate entities and because then we can have sovereignty reigning. So we're looking here at this concept of there's no king without a nation and comparing it to these godly worlds. Here we're talking about the world of creation. So in the world of creation, the highest world is the world of being. The next world is the world of creation. So in that world, the created beings already feel a distance from God. In the higher world, the world of being, they're too close to God for him to be sovereign over them. They're one with God. But when we descend to the next world, the world of creation, it's as if there's an iron curtain between the two worlds. So after the iron curtain in the world of creation, the beings there feel separate. Oh, they feel separate? Great. Now we can have sovereignty. Now, of course, all the diversity of the creations are created by the absolute oneness of the infinity of God. But we have this diversity as this oneness is invested in all the different, so to speak, letters that issue from sovereignty. Because sovereignty also, as we learned before, is considered the mouth of God, how God speaks, how the letters emerge. The five organs of speech, there are five physical organs of speech, and the five physical organs of speech, the tongue, the lips, the teeth, the larynx, and the palate, those five physical organs of speech are parallel to the five spiritual organs of supernal speech. And these are the five elements, we call them the five givurot, the five powers of restraint, because of course all of these elements are sort of restraining the breath to allow speech to form five restraints within this female element of sovereignty. We have the most fundamental name of God, the Yudin and the He and then the Vav and then the final He, are spelling out the ten divine attributes. And the final letter, the final He, is sovereignty. And sovereignty is compared to this He for two reasons. One is because He is the letter of breath from which all speech is derived. And as we're saying, sovereignty is the power of God's speech. And also because hey is a numerical value of five. And as we're saying, there are five physical mirroring from five spiritual organs of speech, human and supernal. And therefore, sovereignty, God's power of speech, is symbolized by five, indicating the five parts necessary to produce speech. Another aspect of sovereignty is that she's called Alma Disgalia. That's Aramaic, which means the manifest world. Because through sovereignty is manifested the power of the infinity of God to create something from nothing. As versus until sovereignty, which we saw, was this more cause and effect progression. And cause and effect progression exists among creation. But something from nothing is only in the hands of creator. And the sovereignty of being makes manifest that power. In other words, the highest of the ten divine attributes, seminal wisdom, also comes as something from nothing. Within seminal wisdom, the infinity of God is invested. But then from seminal wisdom down to sovereignty, it's a progression of myriads and myriads of steps of cause and effect which creation can do. But when we finally come to sovereignty and now we need to create beings lower, we can't do cause and effect anymore. It's too low to 
be extracted by a process of cause and effect. Now we need God's involvement. Now we need something from nothing. Now we need God. And this relates to what it says in the Kabbalistic work, Sefer Yitzhira, about the ten divine attributes. Their beginning is wedged in their end. Meaning the beginning, the highest level, even higher than the head, so to speak, is, as we just mentioned, the crown. Right? We said there's seminal wisdom. Seminal wisdom is referred to as the first or the head. And then higher than that, the beginning is the crown. And the lowest of the divine attributes is sovereignty. So the beginning, the crown, is wedged, is more found in the end in sovereignty than in all of the other divine attributes, even seminal wisdom. Because the crown is a mediator between the infinity of the emanator of God himself and the finite emanated being. So every intermediary has to incorporate something of both elements. On one hand, the crown contains the infinite light of God. It's containing the infinity of God. That's the beginning. And this energy of God himself, of the infinity of God, is wedged in the divine attribute of sovereignty because sovereignty reveals the powers of the infinity of God to create something from nothing. And all of the higher divine attributes don't express this at all because there's nothing going on there, something from nothing, in all of the higher nine attributes, from seminal wisdom down to sovereignty. It's cause and effect and cause and effect. Cause and effect, the effect becomes a cause, and then there's an effect which becomes a cause, and then there's an effect which becomes a cause. Lower and lower and lower levels of godliness, but nothing of God directly. Nothing of pure creation, something from nothing. So therefore, the energy of the crown, which is containing the energy of the infinity of God, isn't being expressed. Where is it expressed? In sovereignty. Because there, we have now a something from nothing experience for all of creation to occur through sovereignty. And something from nothing, that's God. That's his infinity. That's the power of crown now expressed in sovereignty. Which is why the crown is actually referred to as the crown of sovereignty. Because, in other words, a crown is for a king. The prime function of the divine attribute of crown is to draw the infinity of God's light into the level of sovereignty. And it's also called the crown of sovereignty. In other words, it's not only called crown, which is how we normally refer to it as, but it's called the crown of sovereignty because the final level of God's infinity is the sovereignty of infinity. The crown itself possesses the quality of sovereignty because sovereignty is the lowest level of God's infinity. Which means, in a certain perspective, sovereignty, that tenth divine attribute, is also the crown. If we're looking in an ascending order, we're, so to speak, looking up at sovereignty, the lowest of the divine attributes, and seeing how, in terms of the other higher divine attributes, she is like the crown. Because she's a prime receptor of this downward flow of crown. And then, in a rebounding light, she illuminates the higher divine attributes as well. But everything we've said here so far about sovereignty, or primarily what we've said, is not showing sovereignty's ability to reveal. It's actually more her ability to conceal. Because we're talking about, through sovereignty, the infinity of God creates something from nothing. And that something, as we understand it, is called a something 
because it's creating entities that view themselves as a thing, as distinct and separate from God. So if so, sovereignty's power is creating beings that are concealing God's infinite light. So we said that sovereignty is the power of revelation. We said one of her names is Alma Disgalia, the manifest world, because she reveals God's infinity. But the fact that through sovereignty comes into being entities that are viewed as things, separate creative forces that view themselves as separate from God, that's not a revelation of God. That's a concealment of God. So we need to find in her how does she also reveal God? In other words, it's not that we don't think it's a very special ability that through the synergy of the forces of sovereignty and crown and God's infinity come forth beings that view themselves as separate from God. That's a very powerful tool. But it's not a revelation of God. It's a concealment. But she must be also doing something that reveals God because she's called Almodiscalia, the manifest world. So this quality of her causing a revelation of God is actually done through the formation of the souls in sovereignty. Because that process of the conception and development and birth of the souls is really a process of giving birth to a piece of that which reveals God. Souls don't conceal God. Souls reveal God. And this is a tremendous process. This process requires the intervention of a very high power emanating from the infinity of God. Our sages compared the birth of the souls to the splitting of the sea. It's just as it says in Kabbalistic work, the splitting of the sea depended on this highest level we were discussing before, the inner delight of the crown of the world of being. Also, the same energy, the inner higher level of the crown, the delight is necessary for the ultimate conception, development, and birth of the souls. And this infinite power is not only needed for the birth, but also their entire process of development, which Kabbalistically, we explain that the souls grow from the original conception of the souls on the Shemini Aseris holiday, which is the eighth day of the Sukkot celebration. And then there's this period of development until the birth of the souls on the seventh day of Passover, which was the time of the splitting of the sea. Remember, our sages are comparing the process of birth of the souls to the splitting of the sea, which would connect to the souls being born on the seventh day of Passover, the day of the splitting of the sea. And this concept resembles the growth of the various divine attributes themselves, meaning we have seminal wisdom, which is like the father figure, that which gives forth that original drop, and understanding, which is the mother, and the drop from the father is impregnated in the mother. And then this is expressed in a much more manifest way 
in the six divine emotional attributes of God, which are like the masculine element that's impregnated in sovereignty, the feminine element. So this concept of the growth of the fusion of the masculine six emotive traits within sovereignty, the feminine trait, all this is concealed, so to speak, holistically within the womb of the supernal mother, which is the most inner degree of God's understanding, comprehension in the world of being. I'll say that one more time in case like the terms are just hard to follow. This is a very deep concept. In the sketch of the ten divine attributes, we have seminal wisdom as the first one. Parallel to that is understanding, comprehension. And then if we would continue this vision of the diagram, we have the six divine attributes of God's emotion. And then parallel to that, we have sovereignty. So seminal wisdom, as well as the six emotive attributes, are the masculine ends. And God's understanding and God's sovereignty are the feminine. So on two levels here, we have seminal wisdom as it's invested in God's comprehension, which is really just like a primordial stage in the true development of this fusion of divine attributes. The six emotive ones invested in sovereignty. And that fusion of the emotions of God within the sovereignty of God, these masculine and feminine elements, is then, so to speak, impregnated in God's second divine attribute, that of comprehension. And that is considered them being in the supernal mother, the innermost degree of understanding of the world of being. And there we have all this period of seven or nine months of pregnancy, so to speak, the growth of this fusion of the emotive attributes of God fused with God's sovereignty. So just as this is true, that we have the divine attributes being conceptualized and conceived and developed and given birth, delivered, that this fusion of God's emotions and sovereignty is delivered from the supernal mother, from understanding in the world of being, also the souls go through a similar process, so to speak, within sovereignty. So sovereignty from this perspective is known as the lower mother. And sovereignty incorporates within itself the divine light of infinity. Now these divine lights of the infinity of God that descend to be within sovereignty of the world of being not only make possible the birth of the souls and the period of the pregnancy, the development, but are actually also responsible for the conception of the soul, for that first and highest level of existence, of reality. So the very essence and root of the seminal drop, which sovereignty receives, which is, so to speak, impregnated, is deriving from these intellectual qualities of the father and mother, the, as we discussed already, the seminal wisdom and understanding. And with every fusion of the seminal wisdom and understanding, the seminal wisdom representing the male element of God and understanding the female, 
So every fusion of those two is to create a birth. And that which issues from the fusion of the seminal wisdom and understanding is, so to speak, impregnated within sovereignty. This is the first energy of the soul that's going to be. The souls, also angels, also the chambers of this next lower world, the world of creation. In all of this, sovereignty is revealing. Because this infinite power of God is revealed by the formation and birth of the souls. And because sovereignty is responsible for the conception of the soul and the development of the soul and the birth of the soul, so ultimately there's a revelation of the infinity of God. And this is why sovereignty is referred to as the manifest world. Because in addition to her drawing down the power of God in a concealed fashion within creation that views itself as separate from God, she's also revealing God in the souls that their being is a revelation of God's energy. 